It's an honor and privilege and pleasure to be with you here in this last week of August. Last weekend, I should say. Headed into the last week of August. My name is Rob Oblinas. Uh, I'm an elder here. I've taken on a new role here over the summer as intern pastor at Be Free. And, and all that means is that I'm just trying to get some more training. Certainly feel like God has a call on my life, and I don't know what that looks like logistically. Uh, by trade and profession, I'm a teacher over at Brewster Academy in Wolfboro, and been doing that for almost 15 years now. And so this is just an opportunity for me to continue to grow, take a step of faith in God's direction, get some more training in terms of what it looks like in every day, working with church and you guys as a church family, but also some... some uh, training up in theology and biblical study, which I'm doing online as well. And this uh, opportunity has allowed me to do that and give me some freedom to do that. And I'll continue with that over the course of this year. But the other piece is, is this four-week series. So we've been in Titus for this four-week series. And it has been such a blessing to me. I hope it has been to you and those of you who have had a chance to hear it. Because God, I really feel is doing a good work here in our church. I've been reflecting all this week. So I had a chance to meet with the other Be Free pastors on Wednesday with, along with Ben. Uh, so the pastors of Summersworth and Dover and, and Barrington. And then later on in the week, yesterday, as a matter of fact, I had a chance to, to meet with the elders, Everett and Ben and myself, and just think about what, uh, what's ahead for us as a church, but we look back and we reflected. And these guys on Wednesday were reflecting over their churches as well. And God is doing a good work in and through His people. And you guys are a part of that. And it's very exciting. And so it's been so awesome to think about what Titus is, gives us, what Paul is writing to Titus here, and to think, wow, we're a part of that right here in the 21st century. And so we're going to jump in this morning and take a look at this final chapter. Uh, for those of you that don't know, this, this book in the Bible is in the New Testament over there at the, towards the end. And Paul, the apostle, is writing to Titus and he's instructing him and saying, hey, you are on the island of Crete and this is what you should be doing. This is what I need you to do while you are there. And so we've walked through a lot of that already and he's gonna, Paul's going to finish up with some, some instruction and then some final words to Titus. And we're going to look at that this morning. So please join me. I'm going to read it. It should be up on the screen for you to follow along. This is in the ESV, Titus chapter 3, verse 1. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of excuse me, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, 
so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to avoid foolish controversies. Excuse me, may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. When I send Artemis or Tychias to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Great, greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Will you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word has come to tell us about the story that you intended for the beginning, since the beginning of all time. Your word, God, that informs us of who we are and where we stand with you. And that tells us that, that we were dead in our sins and trespasses and that you made us alive with Christ Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit as we put our faith in Jesus' death and resurrection. God, let this be something that goes into what we hear and what we see in our heads down to our hearts. God, let it take root into our lives. Let it be, as Ben said this morning, our identity. Fully and truly who we are. We love you and we thank you for all the work that you have done on our behalf that we could never do. And we pray this in the Father's name, in the Son's name, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So uh, what we're going to do here this morning is uh, I'm actually going to take the last part first and then jump back up to the first part. So we're going to flip this around a little bit. Uh, and the reason for that is, is twofold. One, at the very end, starting in verse 12, it's sort of some housekeeping things, right? Really specific to Titus and his situation on Crete. Uh, he talks about Artemis and Tychius and that they're coming to you. So uh, either, you know, Titus is finding out now or already knows that they're on their way. Uh, then Paul says, I'm going to spend the winter in Nicopolis. When we started out this series, I said that Paul was in Nicopolis. That's not true. Or at least as we see here, probably not. He's going to say, he's going to go come to me there. I'm going to spend the winter there. Uh, so there's some sorts of housekeeping things and then final greetings. Um, but there's one verse in here that's sort of a conclusion that I want to key in on, and it, it could inform our take of the whole letter, and it could potentially help us read this poorly, or it could help us read this rightly. And so I want to sort of key in on that. Um, the, the verse is this, um, right in verse 14, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Uh, so if we were to read through this letter of Titus, and if you've been with us for a few weeks now, you know that, that Paul said in verse 1 that he's an apostle of Christ for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. Okay, 
Paul wants them to know the truth. He wants his mission, not just here in Crete, but everywhere, so that they know the truth. And then we read uh, just a few verses later that he says to Titus, this is why I left you in Crete, that you might put what remained in order and appoint elders. So he wants them to organize, get things together there on Crete so that the church would, would, would flourish and that um, help provide some leadership and some organization. And so we see those two things. Okay, they want, he wants them to know the truth and be organized so that that truth may be known. And then if we were sort of to skim and, and, and kind of read quickly through this letter, there would be one thing that keeps up coming up again and again and again. And it's, it's also in this verse 14. And so if we were to look, we would see in verse 14 that at the conclusion he says, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Oh, is that, is that the goal? Oh, let me skim through and let me look. And I see in verse, um, chapter 1, verse 16. Um, these aren't all up there, but I'll just go over them real quickly. They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Oh, okay, so, so that's detestable. Okay, they're unfit for good work, so maybe good, do good work. Show yourself in all respects to be a model. He's talking to Titus of good works. And your teaching show integrity. Uh, chapter 2, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, purify for himself, for, uh, as for his possession, for who, uh, people who are zealous for good works. Oh, okay. Well, that, there's that again. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. There it is again. Chapter 3, verse 8. We're getting towards the end here. God may be careful, uh, those who believe in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. And then finally, in this concluding sentence, he says, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need may not be unfruitful. Conclusion, do good works. Wrong! Hey, if, if you were like my students at Brewster, you know, and they skim through just trying to pick up the key words. What does he keep repeating? What's important, right? And you sit down in a class and say, oh, Paul wants Titus and the people of Crete to do good works. That's it. That's not right. That is a poor reading of this letter in God's word to us. Does God want us to do good works? Yes, we'll see that in a moment. But that is not the truth that Paul is talking about. For the sake of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, it's not that. It's a part of it, but it's not that. So we would be mistaken to say, oh, okay, this Christian life is just all about good works. No, not true. That's half truth. Because if you've been with us for the last few weeks, then you'll know this. For, the, for three weeks, we've looked at Titus 1, that very beginning. And we looked at that truth that Paul was talking about. And, and we came to... To, to, to say truth of the gospel, the truth of the gospel is past, present, and future. And I think we might have these up here for you as a slide. And then in the next week, we talked about how leaders changed by the gospel leads to people changed by the gospel. This truth that Paul is talking about. The gospel calls us in week three, the gospel calls us and enables us to live self-controlled, upright, and holy lives. And in this chapter 3, it's going to be very similar, right? We've seen through Paul's words in his letter to Titus that it's the gospel that is the truth that he's talking about. And that the gospel then should inform the rest of our lives. And so how do we see that worked out here in this final chapter, chapter 3? Well, let's look together. 
Titus 3, verses 1 and 2. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Okay, yeah, well, Rob, that's just what you were saying, like good works, right? Be this way, live this way, be obedient, submissive. If you remember uh, Crete in the first century, right, under Roman rule, Paul is calling them to be obedient and submissive to that rule. That's good works, isn't it? That they should be ready. It literally says be ready for good works. But that's not the end. Why should we do those things? We look in verse 3 and and let's see if we can find out. Verse 3, 4. And I'm going to stop there. Because for the third week in a row, Paul has said, do this, do this, do this. For... And that should tell us something. If we're reading God's Word okay, in this, in this, in this uh, English translation, okay, the, the, the translators saw this and said, okay, the, the word in English then is for. It's a because word. We should park up at that when we're reading God's Word, especially here in the New Testament, these letters. For. Because it, it's going to then tell us why we should do all these things. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. We were once there too. The people, the life that's going on around you, he's talking to the people in Crete. They were, they were malice. They were envious of each other. They hated each other. From town to town, they hated each other. They, they would war against one another civilly. The Romans then would come in and quelch that. And he's saying, be obedient to them. Why? Because you were like that once. With one difference. You were like that, and now you're not. But what is the difference? There's one difference. And it's in verses 4 through 7. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly, through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. See, you look around and you see what's going on in Crete, and Paul says you you should do good works, you should be more, you should be fruitful as God's people. Why? Because you were once there too, and the only reason you're not is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the only difference. This, we talked last week about doctrine, the principles by which Paul was calling them to live this way of life are none other and no more complicated than the gospel work that God has done for us before we even entered into it ourselves. And he continues on in verse 8 and he says, the saying is trustworthy and I want you to insist on these things 
things that I was just talking about, so that, or as a result of, those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Let's look at this progression. Let's, let's, if, we can, if we can boil this down and summarize it, here's, here's the progression. Titus 3. I think we have a slide for this. What, what do we have? God saved us. He made us new. He made us heirs so that flowing out of that, we would be devoted to good works. The first three have nothing to do with us, and we don't do them. God does them. That then we might be devoted to good works. If you've been with us the last couple of weeks, this should ring in your ears. right? This should sound like an echo off these walls. Why? Because back in Titus 2, what do we see there? Okay. I think we have a slide for that as well. Oh, look at this. Hmm. Titus 2, we'll wrap that up. Gave himself for us, saved us, redeemed us from unlawlessness, made us new, purified possession, made us his heirs, zealous for good works. The progression is the same. And it hasn't changed. And it won't ever change from now until eternity. And it hasn't changed from past. We looked at that in the very first opening that Paul was talking about. This gospel truth is true, past, present, and future. It will never change. Um, if you if you were here last week, I encourage you also to take a look at Ephesians 2. Uh, we've looked at that chapter multiple times in the last few weeks. Ben read it right before our baptism. Why? Because it's a picture of the gospel that then we went out and watched people profess and be baptized in. And then we read it this morning. I had, I had no idea. Ben said, do you want me to put out the call to worship to Ben Cain? I said, yeah, that'd be great. I had no idea which, he's, which one he sent out. And Ben came then with Ephesians 2 this morning. And maybe, I, I tried to memorize, I, I, I got a couple of verses in. <laughs> Truthfully. Right? I, I got a couple of verses in to memorizing Ephesians 2. And I'm going to keep working at it. Why? Because it's the gospel. And it's this. Look at this progression. So we see, so first of all, Titus 3, Titus 2, the progression is this, right? And now let's read Ephesians 2 together, just like we did this morning. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love, excuse me, this is, um, sorry, we'll skip that first section, the first few verses, right? To where then it says, you were like this, but, verse 4, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So what do we see here in Ephesians 2? Let's look at it all three together. Go one more, Seth. Saved us. Made us new. Made us His heirs for all eternity. Who are then 
devoted to good works. See, be free. If we were to skim through this letter and see good works over and over again, then we might wrongly say that Paul's intention for Titus and the people of Crete was to just simply, because you're a Christian, or because you, know, you want to do this new life, do good works, that's it, right? Just do good works, and you'll be different from everybody else. No, good works flow out of a gospel-filled life. Good works, yes, should be done by God's people. That's what we're called to. He says it again and again and again. That message we can't get away from. But why should we do it? Because we are filled by the gospel. It says both in Ephesians, and it says uh, here in Titus, and it says in other Romans, right? That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We did nothing to earn this favor by God who invites us not just to be made new through His death and resurrection, but to be made His heirs, purified for His possession. That's your identity. That's exactly what Ben Cain was talking about this morning. That is truest about you. In the, in the morning, um, or, or at least not last year, but the year before, um, I had the opportunity to, to drive my daughter to school. And we have friends do this with their kids as well. And, and it was really early in the morning, and so I had the opportunity to do it before I had to go to work. And as she got out of the car, I would try to routinely say, remember your identity. Remember who you are. Why? Because middle school stinks. <laughs> if you want a place to tear down your identity, go to middle school. Everyone is climbing and clamoring over each other to, to, to be ahead, right? But we see that in the adult world as well. It's just not as apparent and you don't spend eight hours with them all in one group every day. The world is trying to tear down our identity. And if we don't remind ourselves of this identity routinely, then it gets forgotten. And we simply say, I should just try to do works and I'm just trying to do a list that God never intended us to do without His gospel-filled life. So these good works brothers and sisters, should flow out of a gospel-filled life. So the, the question then is, okay, Rob, I see that. I see, we've, seen it in Ephesians, uh, we've seen it in Titus 2, we've seen it in Titus 3, we've seen it in Ephesians 2, it's in other places in God's Word. Good works flowing out of a gospel-filled life. But what are these good works? We, we've heard some of them. Paul has written to, to Titus and said, for the people of Crete, this is what it should look like in your life. And, and many of those are applicable to us here in the 21st century. Being self-controlled, being upright, holy. But then he gets into specifics about you know, not being drunk, not being quarrelsome. Um, talks about loving your spouse. Those are all good things. And so, so what are these good works that he's talking about? Well, if we look at verse 8, we get a, we'll get a general picture that help, will help inform us. Verse 8, the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. So what are they? Good works are excellent and profitable for people. Great. 
Well, maybe he'll continue. Maybe he'll give us a list. So let's read on in verse 9. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. Oh, okay. No, he didn't give us a list. He told us that good works are excellent and profitable. And then he says what they're not. What good works are not. They're, they're this picture. Someone who stirs up division. Dissensions. Who have arguments. Uh, back in, in this day in the first century creed. It was this, uh, a lot of it was this Jewish um, dissension over genealogy. And what you had to do to be pure. We talked about that a few weeks ago. So he's saying no. That, that's just stirring up dissension. You know, it's like, it's like Paul saying this, you know, it's like, I know it when I see it, and I can tell you what it's not, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's like philosophy, right? If I were to ask you guys what the definition of philosophy, you go, yeah. well, I know it when I see it, and I know that it's not math, right? <laughs> right? That's kind of what Paul's doing here, right? Like, they're excellent and profitable, okay, yeah, I think I could recognize that if I saw that. And I know that it's what it's not. It's not this quarrelsome, uh, dissentious type of living that is unprofitable and worthless. Um, so if you're, if you're saying, like, wow, I just need some examples of good works, um, that's okay. Right? That's what we should be doing. Because if our, gospel, if our lives is a gospel-filled, then good works should flow out of that gospel-filled life. And so we should want to know what those are. Go back through Titus. Look at the things that are there. Many of them are applicable to this 21st century. Don't get lost in them, but look for them. Um, there are many other passages in, in the Bible that tell us what a, what a life shaped by the gospel looks like, what these good works look like. So study them with someone. Look at them together. Grab a friend. They're there. You know what they look like. They are profitable and good, and we know that they are not quarrelsome and dissentious. And, and so if you, if you need a list, like we could talk about that outside of this time. Go back, look at Titus, um, look at other places in the Bible with, with a friend or someone you trust. And so that would be the, the what are good works. But then the final question is, how do we live this way? That sounds great, Rob. Good works that flow out of a gospel-filled life. Boy, that sounds awesome. This, this life that Paul is describing here in Titus, that sounds great. Right? People who love their wives. Wives who love their husbands. Children that know the truth and are mentored and discipled in it. Being kind and generous with your time and your resources towards other people. That sounds like a great life. But how, how do we do that? How do we let the gospel fill us up so much that then these good works flow out? Well, it's a tough one, right? Good, good works is a tough one um, because it's just so hard, right? You, you want to get to the do part and let that be like, check, okay, God, I, I did that. Great, I got there, right? But, but we need this progression. We have to have it. Right? Because otherwise, we, we end up in one place or another. Right? There's really kind of four results 
um, that come of this. And the, and the first is this, that there, there's no gospel, right? If you're here this morning and you have not accepted Christ as your Savior and you think, oh, good works, that, that sounds good, I'll, I'll try to do those things. No, I mean, you, you'll, get, you'll do them. We look around the world and there's many people doing good things, right? But they, they don't have this identity. And so when things start to go awry and the wheels start to fall off, because you, you can't do and sustain good works forever, right? In, in terms of, you know, like I, I want to, you know, do this action, but I'm going to, you know, build a hundred schools or whatever. Whatever it may be. If you don't have the gospel, then you don't have this identity. And so you may be here this morning and thinking, yeah, I want the good works, but, you know, I'm just not good enough. I, my, my life is not good enough for this Jesus to be God's heir. You may say, if you, Rob, if you only knew what I've done, there is no way. Well, I'm here to tell you that. Point that right back around here. Right? Oh, I, I, you know what? You know, I, I'm a good person. I had a conversation with a friend. We were talking about Jesus. We were coming home playing golf. And, and he said, you know, Rob, I, I like to think that the good that I do in the world really sets me up. I believe that there's a God, but, but I think the good things that I do in this world outweigh the, things, the bad things. Ben told us, Ben Cain told us this morning, that's not God's economy. That's not the way God works. We all have sins and trespasses that we need to be forgiven from, no matter who we are. And so if you're here this morning... And you're, you have not accepted this truth of the gospel. You have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And then in believing in His death and resurrection, know that your identity now is as God's children forever, now and forever, then I encourage you to put your faith in that. You need to consider that. You need to have the gospel fill you up. That would be your identity. So that, just like Ben said this morning, we don't waver when things don't go the way we want or way that we hoped. So, so, so the first part is that you're, you're here and there, you don't have the gospel, right? You haven't accepted that gospel. But, but the, next would, the next iteration then probably would be there's the gospel, but you're really struggling to live out these good works, right? Uh, you, you know, you look around, you're like, ah, oh, I can't do good works. I can't do things that that person does, like blank. Or you might say, you might be believing in a half-truth that's, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's a, that's a half-truth. We were sinners, we're saved by grace, and when we are saved by grace, we are made God's children. And He looks at us in righteousness and holiness. And if you, I don't know about you, but if I live in that identity, then I am happy to do many things around everyone. Um, or, or you might be sitting here and you say, God just won't take away blank. Right? It's almost like you, you, you need to take away that first and then God will see you rightly and then you can do these good works for him. That's not true. That's not the gospel. You see, God wants to take those things from you, and He wants you to have a life that doesn't do the things that you don't want to do, but you need to be gospel-filled first. Have that identity of through Christ Jesus. 
And then you can start those good works for others, but also for yourself. To enter into that good work, to be able to work on the things that God wants you to change. Only in standing in that identity can you then do that. It's not magic. So, so you may be here and, and there may be no gospel, or you may be here and, and you have the gospel, but the good works aren't being lived out in your life. Or you may be here this morning and, and your, your good works have moved you past the gospel. That you flipped around the fact that the good works flow out of a gospel-filled life and you've turned that around and you sort of act in a way and you think in a way that good works lead to a gospel-filled life. That's not true. It never will be true. You look around in society and you say, if people would just stop doing this, then the gospel would be known in this country. If we were to look at this region and we say, if... if, if, if if people would just saw my friends or kids or whatever, would just stop doing this, then, then we could enter into gospel conversation. That's not the gospel. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it worked for you. God came and rescued you out of these things that you did and have done. So that you then could live good works. And so if we look around and others and we say, if, if people could just stop doing this, the gospel would be known. It would be, we'd be, we'd have Christians everywhere. <laughs> That's the opposite. We need the gospel to be known everywhere to fill people up so that then these good things would happen. The things that we want that are good, but we can't move past the gospel. We can't let the... the, the the, um, the good works happen first and then the gospel. It has to be the other way around. So you may be here this morning and, and you, you haven't believed in the gospel. So I would encourage you to consider that. You have to. Or you may be here this morning and you have the gospel, but you just are unable to move into these good works. Or you may be letting the good works uh, inform the gospel that, that you, you think the gospel would be made known if we could just do these good things. And, and those three things are not what God intended. What God intended is that good works would flow out of the gospel. That you would remember what you were saved from. You would remember that you were just like the people that you see around you. And so you would respond in a way that meets their needs so that they would know the gospel and be saved by Jesus Christ. Um, I, I had a beautiful picture of this. I was meeting with a friend and I asked him if I could share this. And it's convenient that he did the call to worship this morning because now you have a face with the name. I was meeting with, with Ben Kane and, and Ben Locke, actually, and we, we were on a, it was a, I, I'll never forget, it was a rainy morning, Tuesday morning, and we have a group of guys that have been meeting on Tuesday morning, but th- it was just the three of us could, could get together that day, so we met at McDonald's instead, and we began talking, and, and I, I'll, it's gripped me for weeks. We were talking about what's going on in our world, 
And we're talking about this issue of abortion. And we all agree that it's a terrible thing in our world. And, and my inclination personally is, is to be like, if we could just change that. If we could just change that in our society, then, then, then God would work. But that's not what we see here. We see that the gospel-filled light, that good works flow out of that. And so we're talking about, and, and Ben Cain showed me the picture of the heart of what this looks like. I'll try to do this without crying, but he said, you know, Ruth and I have considered this. And yeah, we think abortion is terrible. We think it's a terrible thing in our society. But being God's people and knowing where we have stood and how God has saved us, we began to think that maybe we should foster children. Can you believe that? That, that is good works that flow out of a gospel-filled life. That their response to this terrible thing in our society is not to rail against it and petition for it and campaign for it. It is to move into the lives of the people that are hurting so much that they might consider to kill a life before it is even born. And they said, let's give them hope. Let's consider that our family might be able to give up our resources, our time, our, our, even our future thoughts of what this family would look like to be able to foster children. So that women and families and people considering this option would have an out. That, ladies and gentlemen, is good works flowing out of the gospel. You might say, okay, okay, Ron, yep, okay. So, four places. I may have identified one of them not, not believing in the gospel, having the gospel, but not being able to do the good works. Or, or, or letting, yeah, yeah, I sometimes let the good works, I move past that, and I move past the gospel. Or you may be here and you say, yeah, I really want this, and I'm trying my best to do this, and I'm really trying to let the gospel form my identity. So that I, then I live the good works out of that. That is fantastic. And so you may have identified one of those four places. And you may say, oh, Rob, I want to keep doing this. I want to, I want to strive towards this. Well, I'll give you two practical steps. Okay? And, and, and they really truly are born out of what I would love to see our church continue being. And that is a gospel-filled people in which good works flow out. And that is this. Thinking about over the coming months, as we move into this new season, making this, this Sunday morning together a priority. Why? And, and, and it's, not, it's not for me, right? Like, I'm giving this back to Ben, right? We're going to be listening to Ben and his work through John. But I guarantee you this, because I've, we've heard it before I started this series. Ben will remind us of the gospel every week. He will remind us of God's story and our identity through Christ Jesus. We've seen it in other places. We, we had a baptism service just a few weeks ago. You saw the gospel lived up, made, made a reality in live, people's lives. And so, and so doing our dead level best, and, and again, this is not a checklist. 
This is not checking at the door. This is just simply making it a priority in our lives so that we continue to hear the gospel identity that is truest about us. Because I would love to continue to gather with you every Sunday morning to do that together so that then we might live out these good works as we go to our jobs and we go to our schools and we go to our neighborhoods. Uh, and, and another way that's coming up here in just a couple weeks, right, is we're going to have home groups. And we were talking last night as home group leaders. We got a chance to, to meet together. And I guarantee you that, the purpo- that, 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 that all of those leaders want this. They want us to be reminded of the gospel truth and then to be able to live that out together to do good works for those around us. I mean, it's all we talked about last night. It was this. And so... And so taking an opportunity, clearing your calendar for a couple weeks so that you're here on that Sunday and then and getting to see the leaders who are here and know that their heart is for you to live free and renewed through this gospel truth so that then together you might be able to live out these good works in and amongst your neighborhoods, your homes, your families. Be free, we don't do this alone. If you're here visiting with us, then, then I hope that you would go back to your church and that you would commit to those do, doing those things there. If, you are, if you're here with us and you consider this uh, a place that you call home, we do this together. Paul is writing to Titus for the people of Crete. God is talking to you and me and us for the people around us right here. And then those who don't know and have not committed and believed in the gospel around us. Commit to living a life that Paul is describing here for the people of Crete. Commit to having ways that remind yourself and remind others the truth of the gospel. That we were dead in our sins. That Jesus came to die to pay for those sins. And in being raised up out of the grave to new life, we too are made new as God's precious possession, His children. And in that truth, having hope of eternal life with God the Father, We do good work here and now for all to see that we might bring glory to God. Will you pray with me? God, you are the one who does this. You are the one who saved us, who renews us, and who captures us. You purify us, it says, God, in Titus, for your possession that we are your children as we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And so, God, we, we come to you and ask you that you would do and fill us up with this gospel daily, that our identity would be rooted. We have the picture in your word of, of roots from a tree going down deep, that our roots of this would go so deep down that we couldn't help but then do good things for the people in our lives in and through us. We ask, God, that you would do this for us as a church, that you would do this for us as a people. We love you so much, God, and as we come to respond to you in song, let our, let our hearts and lives reflect this truth, the truth of the gospel in our lives. We love you and thank you And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.